All right. Praise the Lord. We'll be in Judges chapter 3. Judges 3. I heard about a, a man um, was dating this woman and got to know her and, boy, he fell in love with her. He said, I think I'll take her home to Mama. I want her to, want Mama to meet him, meet her before I marry her, you know. But he said, uh, he thought he'd just have a little fun with his mother. And um, he brought three girls home. He brought a blonde, a brunette, and a redhead. And anyway, he got there and he said, Mom, he said, I'm getting married. And he said, I wanted you to meet my bride before we got married, the girl I'm engaged to that's going to be your daughter-in-law. He said, I bet you can't guess which one it is. After she looked him over a little bit, she said, it's that brunette, isn't it? He said, how in the world did you know? She said, because I can't stand her. (laughs) (laughs) Judges chapter (laughs) 3. Judges 3. Judges chapter 3, verse 12. I preached all this passage a while back. I've got one I'm really working on. I'm not going to preach it this morning. I'm going to preach this instead. So you may get it next Sunday morning. But I think this will be good. I think the Lord's in this. Verse 12, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. The name Eglon means a little calf, like a cow or something. You'll see here in a minute. Verse 13, And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. That's Jericho. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. Now in the Bible, in the book of Judges, you'll find where the children of Israel, they'll serve the Lord as long as they've got a judge. And as soon as their judge dies, they go back into uh, idolatry and wickedness and everything else, and God brings them into bondage. And this happens over and over and over again where God delivers the children of Israel. If there was a key word in the book of Judges, it'd be delivered. Or deliverance. You'll see it over and over and over again where God sweeps in and delivers His people out of bondage. And here you've got a man named Eglon. And boy, he's wicked. In 18 years, he's the king of Moab. And Moab's a bad place. It's the enemies of Israel. For 18 years, Israel had to serve Eglon, this wicked king in Moab. It almost make him a type of the Antichrist. 18 is 6 plus 6 plus 6. You know that's no good. And the Bible says in verse 15, When the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up, there it is, a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, a man left-handed. And by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. And what they probably sent was their tax money, the tribute money. He probably taxed them. That's what everybody thinks it is and probably is. And he was taking their money, kind of like the government does me and you. Amen. Somebody ought to be saying amen right there. Amen. You done forgot the 18th of this month? Man, I sent my taxes off. Oh, goodness. I'm going to have to get down and pray before I can go any farther. All right, verse 16. But Ehud made, made him a dagger which had two edges of a cubit length. And he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. Notice he's a left-handed man. He gets a little dagger, which is a small sword, and he puts it on his right side. That way he can reach over with his left hand and draw. If he was right-handed, he'd put it on his left side. But he's left-handed. And more than likely, when he goes in to meet this guy, they never notice what's going on. 
because most people are right-handed. And they probably would have been looking on the other side if he'd had something, but they didn't notice it. And the Bible says in verse 17, And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man. (laughs) I love how the Bible says something. Listen, that's not hard to understand. I think we all know what that means. (laughs) He was a very fat man. Verse 18, And when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. Must have been a lot of money because it took more than one person to carry it. I, I have so much money, I can count it all at one time. Amen. <laughs> I, and I can count it. Verse 19, But he himself turned... <laughs> we had a guy here last night, and he works for Bass Pro in Springfield, Missouri. And that Johnny guy that owns Bass Pro worth 4 or $5 billion, he said, Johnny, come up to him the other day. He came up to Johnny and told him, he said, we got to add... The, what you want me to add on? He said, here it is, 30-something million. And he said, just a minute, I'm talking. He said, he looked at He said, give me a pen. He's talking to the guy, and he ended up, he said, here. And he started, <laughs> I thought, my goodness, he just signed off 30-something million dollars. He's got a lot more money than I do. Amen. <laughs> Amen. If it's $30, I'd be reading the fine print. <laughs> All right, verse 18. And when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud came unto him, and he was sitting in a summer parlor, which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat. Now this message from God is not a message that he's going to want to get. But it did come from God. And Ehud put forth his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the haft, that's the handle of the dagger, also went in after the blade. And the fat closed upon the blade so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly. And the dirt came out. Then Ehud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked them. And then he hid it out. And the Bible says he traveled and got back to his people. And people didn't even realize that the man was dead. And they tarried there, the Bible says in verse 25, And they tarried till they were ashamed. And behold, he opened not the doors of the parlor. Therefore they took a key and opened them. And behold, their Lord was fallen down dead on the earth. And Ehud escaped while they tarried. That would make a good movie right there. <laughs> I mean, you could just see that going in there. Rambo couldn't do better than that. And man, go in there and kill that guy and lock the doors and go out however he got out. And man, they're waiting to see what's going on and waiting and waiting. And the whole time, oh, Ehud's running across country, jumping bushes and climbing trees, whatever he's got to do, swinging across creeks and everything else. And he gets away. And here he is, and he's the Lord's assassin this day. Amen. And he comes in, and Ehud, who's a judge for Israel, God called him to be a judge, a Benjamite. Benjamin means the son of my right hand, but this man was left-handed. Just the opposite. It's amazing how many Benjamites are left-handed in the Bible. You read about them throughout the Scriptures. There's more in Judges, too, about these left-handed Benjamites. And boy, he takes off, and he gets over there, and he kills old uh, Eglon and puts the dagger, puts the dagger into his... Uh, his belly, and he dies. And I preached on this another time, and I really didn't have a good title. I, matter of fact, I struggled on the title. And I remember preaching it, and I can remember this plainly. Man, that title just isn't what I want. But I got the title today. 
And I'm going to preach on when lefty let fatty have it. Amen. <laughs> when lefty let fatty have it, that's the title. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you now for watching over us. Thank you for being with us and meeting with us today. Lord, we're thankful for a good number in spite of the weather and the, and the problems, the severe conditions that we have outside. Lord, we trust that it might get better this evening with the rain stopping and the waters receding a little bit around this area. And Lord, we just pray for those that are in harm's way right now because of this water. And may you bless them. Bless Brother Jerry and his church. And they've got water in there now. We just pray that you'd bless them and help them during this time of need. We want to thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ and Him loving us and taking care of us. Thank you for letting us come together in a good dry place. Thank you, Father, for a King James Bible and a time that we can preach and study Your Word. And, Father, we're thankful for old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction. Thank you for the souls that have been saved in the last week. And, Father, thank you for the ones that are going to be baptized today. Lord, Father, we just pray that You'd bless us now. Help me as I preach Your Word. And may You get honor and glory in everything said and done. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, notice some things about this. In this passage... The story centers around a man named Ehud and a man named Eglon. Eglon's a very fat man. Now you've got old Ehud and the Bible says he made him a dagger. I like that. I like that a whole lot. And he took that dagger and he used it. And notice in verse 16, but Ehud made him a dagger which had two edges. I like that too. I'm feeling something on two edges. Of a cubit length. And he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. So when Ehud got ready to go to see this very fat man, the Bible says he made him a dagger. He made it a cubit length. A cubit length is 18 inches. It's a short sword is what it is. It's just a short sword. It's not much. As a matter of fact, if you looked up the word dagger in the dictionary, it would say a short sword. And then the next definition would be a poniard. P-O-N-I-A-R-D. Which means a small dagger, or even better yet, a pointed instrument for stabbing. That's what a dagger is to be used for. It's pointed on the end. It's double-edged. And that way it cuts on both sides. It'll cut going in. If you can get it out, it'll cut coming out. And that dagger is used. It's an instrument that's made to stab with. And that's what Ehud had his intention set on when he made this dagger. And it's a sword. Let me say that this sword will draw blood. A sword in the Bible is likened unto the Word of God. There's no ways around it. The Word of God is likened unto a two-edged sword. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, it says. And it'll cut you, the Bible says. The Word of God cuts people. It's sharp on both ends. And it's like a two-edged sword according to the Scriptures. And I want to say this morning that the sword will draw blood. Ehud let Fatty have it with a dagger, amen? Because he let him have it because he had a sword in his hand. Had he not had a sword, he couldn't have done anything. Thank God for swords. I like swords, don't you? I'm thankful for them. I mean, you don't read about guns in the Bible, but I'm thankful for those too. If you know how many guns you own, you don't own enough. You ought to go ahead and get you some more. I mean, I'm for them all the way. I think guns are a good thing. I'm like that old granny down there in Dallas, Texas. And the judge had her up there on the stand. And he had her on the stand. And, and it says here, it says here, uh, ma'am, it says that you shot that man six times when he tried to steal your purse on the sidewalk. He said, why in the world would you shoot him six times? 
She said, because when I pulled the hammer back the seventh time, it just said click. Amen. That's why. Thank God. Praise the Lord. I like that other one, that old granny, that picture of that old granny, and there she is, and gray-haired granny, and she's got a dirty, hairy, 44 revolver magnum on this bad man. And she says, now, Sonny, let's talk about Jesus while we wait on the police to get here. <laughs> Amen. You, you do something like that, you deserve to get shot. That's all right. See, the sword, though, in the Bible, we don't have guns. We've got swords. That's the chief weapon in the Bible. And a sword is known to draw blood. You say, what in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about that's what God designed the sword to do, is to draw blood. Every time a preacher gets up and preaches God's Word, blood is drawn, and it pierces people, and it pokes people, and it stabs people. That's what preaching is. It ought to be stabbing from the Word of God. And people ought to get stuck by it. And that's okay. That's what, if a preacher's not stabbing somebody, he's not doing his job. What we need is preachers that'll preach the book. Because the book will still draw blood. You still get blood drawn from the book. We need more preaching from the Word of God. Less drama teams. Less skits. Less cantatas. We need more preaching of God's Word in our church is what we need. It's preaching that gets the job done. God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Oh, we need some preaching today is what we need. And that preaching will draw blood. What you'll get from it is you'll get conviction. You know what this book will do? It will cut you. I don't like to be cut, do you? I don't enjoy being cut. I got a scar on my finger right now where I cut it to the bone, cutting up a watermelon. A Cave City watermelon. Man, that's a bad kind right there, ain't it? I mean, a Cave City watermelon. But thank God I still ate the watermelon. Praise the Lord. But this, this book right here is designed to draw blood. It'll cut you. If you've never been saved, this book will cut you to pieces. I'm talking about it'll tear you up is what it'll do. The reason some of you don't like preaching is because you've never been born again. And the Holy Spirit of God is convicting your heart and telling you that you need to be saved and you can't stand it and you can't sit still because it's God's Word that's convicting you. Blood is being drawn every time the preacher preaches from the Word of God. It'll cut you to pieces. I'll never forget being under conviction. That's the worst feeling in the world, but yet it's the best thing in the world. That's hard to understand. It's the worst thing in the world because if you're under conviction, uh, that's not fun. It's not fun to be under conviction. As a matter of fact, the most miserable time of your life is when you're under conviction and God's dealing with your heart and you can't sit still in a service just like this one right here and it's bothering you. And man, I'm telling you, you're almost shaking and you feel terrible and inside the Holy Spirit won't leave you alone and you want to get up and go to the bathroom or smoke a cigarette or something, but it ain't going to help you because the Holy Spirit's got a hold of you. But I'm glad that in 1983, there's a preacher that had a sword. He didn't have a banana in his hand. He had a sword in his hand. And he preached the Word of God. And when he did, conviction came on the place. And I got saved because of it. A preacher that doesn't stab anybody with the book and draw blood is not doing his job. The Bible says in Jeremiah 48 verse 10, Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully, and cursed be he that keepeth back his sword from blood. That's what it's to be used for. Cursed is that preacher that doesn't use his sword for blood is what he's saying. He ought to be stabbing. It draws blood. It's conviction. I'm thankful for conviction. 
And that's why some of you can't get faithful. You get stabbed every time you come in here. It's the Word of God nailing you every single time you come. You ought to get saved is what you ought to do. The best thing that ever happened to you is if you got saved. I like those old time preachers. They preached the Word of God. They didn't care what people thought about them. They just said, this is what the Bible says. If you don't like it, you can lump it. We've got way too many politicians in the pulpit today. And boy, they'll stand up there and they don't want to offend anybody. My Bible says, great peace have them that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Psalm 119, 165. If you love that book, you can't even be offended, the Bible says. The reason you get offended is because you don't love the sword is what's wrong with you. Oh, we ought to love the Word of God and we ought to be thankful for it. We ought to be glad that we've got a book. Those old preachers, they used to preach it. And they would preach, thus saith the Lord. I heard one time there's a preacher, and he went down to the carnival. And down there at the carnival, they had a guy throwing knives. And they had this lady, and they blindfolded her. And they strapped her to a giant wheel. And as they strapped her to that wheel, they began to turn the wheel. And she was just turning, you know, blindfolded. Legs spread apart, arms apart. And there was a man down there, and he was throwing knives while they was turning. Man, he was throwing them. He outlined her entire body. Around every leg, around every arm, around her head, everything. There was a knife in every spot, and he never hit her one time. The preacher said, he bowed his head and said, Oh Lord, I pray I never preach a sermon like that. Because that's not the kind of sermons we need. The average preacher today, he's throwing swords, but he's outlining around people, and he's not stabbing people in the heart, and no reason nothing's happening in the churches is because the preacher, he's missing on purpose when he ought to be preaching the Word of God. We need more preaching is what we need. See, this sword will draw blood. If you don't draw blood, you might as well get out of the ministry or get in, whichever one applies. Another thing I noticed, this sermon about when lefty let fatty have it. I love that, don't you? That's the best part of it. Verse 16. But Ehud, this Bible's not politically correct. When, when lefty let Mr. Obese have it, right? I like fatty better. But Ehud made him a dagger which had two edges of a cubit length. And he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. So when he went in, he put it under his clothing. Probably had a big coat, robe or whatever they wore in those days. Attached it to his side on his right side because he's left-handed so he can reach over and take that sword. What I've noticed from this is this sword was to be carried with him. Is to be carried with him. He put it under his raiment upon his right thigh. It's a dagger, so that means it's a short sword. Swords come in all different sizes. You can have big swords, small swords, medium swords. You can have um, different colored swords. I've seen camouflage swords, I've seen pink swords, black swords, red swords, all kinds of different colors. I mean, there's all kinds of things. You can get one, whatever it is, but you ought to get you one that fits you. Get the one that you like. Just get the right kind, amen? But you can get the right whatever cover you want on it. And boy, you get one that fits you. And a lot of people, you come to church and you don't carry a sword with you. Coming to church without a sword would be the same thing as going to hunting without a gun. Why, what in the world are you doing? You know. Now, some of you just got saved, you may not have a sword. You let me know, our church will buy you one. If you, if you just got saved and don't have one, we want to buy you one. We want to make sure you get one. And we know where we can get some good ones at, too, that will help you. 
So you just keep that in mind. We'll get you one if you just got saved. But I'm just saying, people have been saved 20, 30 years. They don't even have a sword. They ought to carry it with them. My goodness, we ought to have the sword with us no matter where we go. You ought to carry a sword in your vehicle. You ought to have a sword if you're a woman. You ought to carry it in your purse. If you're a man, you got a purse. You ought to get saved. Amen. Something wrong with you. But if you're a woman, you ought to carry it in your purse. I mean, if your man wear a dress, you need to get saved. You got big problems. And you try to use the women's restroom, and you're a man just because you got a dress on. You probably won't like what happens to you around here. So we got a bunch of men carrying around here. You got a bunch of women probably with you, but anyway, you're a mess. But anyway, you ought to carry one with you. You ought to, you ought to carry one in your vehicle, carry one in your pocket, carry it in your coat pocket. You can get small ones. I mean, we've got this deal where you got a concealed license where you can carry a gun. I like that too. I like having it concealed. You say you carrying a gun? Well, there's only one way you'll find out. <laughs> I might be and I might not. I'm not telling you. But if I was... If you tried to kill me, you'd find out whether I had one or not. <laughs> that's how you'd find out. That's the only way I'd use one if my life depended on it. My life was risked. That's the only way I'd even consider using it. And, uh, and I'm definitely carrying one of those places they say you can't carry one. No guns in this place. I'm carrying mine there. I'll tell you that right now. Because that's where they're going to come kill you at. Oh, there's no guns here. That ought to be all easy. No, you thought there were no guns here. You meant the wrong person. Amen. Meanwhile, anyway, everybody ought to carry a sword with them. They ought to have the Word of God. You never know when you might need it. They say that the problem with the gun is that most people don't have one when they need it is the problem. That's the same thing with the sword. You don't even, you don't need a gun till you need it. Well, you need a sword all the time. But there's a time that might come by where you'll need a sword. And this man carried it with him. I'm sure some of you carried it with you when you was going through problems. I mean, I know when you was going through those marital problems, remember all that? You carried the sword back then. But once you got through that, you don't need a sword anymore, do you? Oh, when your kids were giving you trouble at home, you carried the sword every day, but you don't carry it anymore, do you? You say, why? Because I don't need it anymore. Oh, you just still need it. Sure you need it. Oh, when some of you are going through health problems and didn't know if you was going to make it or not, I mean, you was in that Bible and you had a sword, but you don't have it anymore because you're all better now, aren't you? Say, what a mess we're in. We're in trouble. See, once everything's better, people don't think they need a sword. They don't even need to go to church. But you ought to get you a sword. And you ought to carry it with you. Everywhere you go, you ought to carry one with you. This sword is to be carried with you. Alright, number 3, verse 22. Here he comes. When lefty let fatty have it. And the haft also went in after the blade. And the fat closed upon the blade so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly. It went in so far, 18 inches. This guy's fat, man. That's a foot and a half. And it went in, and it just fought, like he got his arm hung up in there. <laughs> and I mean the half, the handle went in. And he's like, man, I'd never get that out. And he had to leave that sword. And he left it there. But notice, the deeper the sword goes in, the harder it is to get out. He couldn't get it out. He was in there too deep, see. And the reason some of you have such trouble and you get out of church and stop serving God is because the sword has never gone deep enough in you. And because it's not deep enough in you, it's easy to pull out. See, if old Ehud would have just stuck that sword halfway in him, 
the handle wouldn't have been covered up and he could have just pulled it right back out. There wouldn't have been any problem. But see, he couldn't do that. You say, why couldn't he do it? Because it went too far in him. You know what's wrong with some of you today? You've got the sword too deep in you. You say, what do you mean? You're ruined. You can't even hardly live in this world anymore. That's a good thing, by the way. Hey, I got ruined. You say, how'd you get ruined? By that Bible right there. I don't fit in anymore. You say, why not? Because the sword's gone too deep. That's why. Oh, some of you need to get the sword deeper in your life. You ought to start memorizing Scriptures. You ought to start getting in and doing what you ought to do. You ought to have your kids in Sunday school. You ought to start reading your Bible on a daily basis. You ought to spend time in the Word of God. That's getting it too deep, see. But see, once you get in deep like that, it's not going to come out. And you can't conform. And down there in these kindergartens all around Arkansas, they've got these little books that they try to teach. You say, no, they don't. Oh, yeah, they do. We've got kindergarten teachers in here. Ask them. they got books in the libraries and everything else that says it's okay to have for a, a child to have two daddies. Or it's okay for a child to have two mamas. You say, what do you think about that? Uh-uh. It's wrong. You say, how do you know it's wrong? I've gotten too deep in the book. I'm ruined by the Word of God. I know that it's wrong. The Bible says it's wrong. And I'm against it. And then they've got these books and they say, well, it's alright for these men to have a relationship with little boys. They ought to take them out to the courthouse and hang them is what they ought to do. You say, what? Because I've been in the book too long. That's why. I'm ruined by the Word of God. And I want to be ruined that way, don't you? You don't think like the world thinks anymore. You say, well, I don't know what Trump's going to do with North Korea. North Korea ain't going to do nothing to us. They don't got enough to do anything. If we want to, we'd wipe them off the face of the map. The thing is, even if they did get us, if you're saved, what would it matter? You'd just go to heaven. That's all they can scare you with is with heaven. It makes no difference. You say, boy, you're a nut. No, the sword's gotten too deep in me. That's what's happened. And I think every year it gets a little worse. And it ought to get a little worse with you. The average church couldn't handle what this church handles. And I thank God for it. I don't thank God the average church couldn't because I'm not a gisser. I want them to be able to handle it too. But the average church can't handle it because you've been indoctrinated in the Word of God. And we've been teaching it over and over and over. And we bring Bible-believing preachers in that preach the same message. And they're preaching from the same book. And they're preaching it over and over and over. And to see our people can handle preaching because they're indoctrinated, not in the world, but in the Word of God. And boy, God can do something with you. See, the deeper it goes in, the harder it is to get it out. You better get your kids grounded right now. The deeper they get in, the harder it will be to get it out of them. One more thing, I'm done. Notice verse 22. And the haft also went in after the blade, and the fat closed upon the blade, so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly. Look at this. And the dirt came out. See, when, Lad, when Fatty got it by Lefty there, <laughs> the sword went in and it got the dirt out. The sword will always get the dirt out. When the sword enters, the dirt leaves. You say, what in the world? Is that what that's talking about? Well, you probably know what it's talking about. I'm not going into detail. He hit him right in his bowels. It's a bad area. But no wonder our country is dirty today. They got rid of the sword. They don't have a sword. They don't care about the sword. No wonder we're living in a country that's filthy and turned against God. They're dirty. You say, why? Because they need the sword put in them. And if the sword was put in, the dirt comes out. Either this book will keep me from my sins, or my sins will keep me from this book. 
That's the old saying that still rings true today. It'll always be true. The closer you are in the Bible, the less you'll be out sinning and doing wrong. We need the Word of God. No wonder we're in the shape we're in. The Bible says in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. To be sanctified is to be set apart, is to be made clean, used for the service of God. The Bible says in John 15 and verse 3, Now ye are clean through the word. You're clean through the word. That's how you get clean. Now when you go home, you get clean by taking a bath or a shower. That's a good thing. We all do that every day whether we need one or not. We got kids that we take them to church camp. And my goodness, we tell them. Now, you're taking a shower every day. The swimming pool does not count. You're taking a shower and you're using soap. And you're going to use deodorant when you get out. And we remind them every day. And every year, there'll be that one little boy or one little girl says, Not me, I'm not taking And they slip through the cracks. But about Wednesday, everybody knows they slipped through the cracks. <laughs> and they're getting a shower, <laughs> whether they need one or not, according to them. Because <laughs> they need it. It's affecting everybody. <laughs> well, see, that's how some people are. They come to church, and they say, well, I don't really need one. I don't really need to be clean and the dirt come out. But after a few Sundays, you start coming, and you keep living the way you're living, and everybody in the church knows you need one. They can smell you a mile away. You say, well, I got in the swimming pool. What you need is a bath and soap and water and some deodorant on you is what you... You need to be cleaned up. That's what the Word of God does. It'll clean you, the Bible says. Some of you might be dirty this morning. I don't know. I'm just preaching. This is a shotgun message. <laughs> shotgun hits everywhere. I'll let the Lord line that out. But maybe you ought to get the dirt out of your life. Maybe you ought to stop talking the way you've been talking. Maybe I'll stop looking at things you've been looking at. Maybe I'll stop dressing the way you're dressing. Maybe I'll stop hanging out with who you're hanging out with. Maybe I'll stop drinking what you're drinking. I mean, it, who knows what it might be? Why don't you get the dirt out of your life? Why don't you come today and say, I want to give my life to the Lord? See, when Lefty let Fatty have it, there's some good things in that passage right there. The Word of God can fix every problem you have. And then, son, every problem that you have can be taken care of by God's precious Word. Why don't you turn to Him today?